take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. And welcome back to another episode of Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I am Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Please check us out online on our Facebook page and Instagram at Couples Synergy or our website, couplesynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couples Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for over 20 years. You know, everyone says you should work on your relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of. With the partner they fell in love with. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about the topic of boundaries. And specifically... Boundaries when it comes to extended family. Holidays are coming up. And in the face of the holidays to come. Now, this is the uh, what, several days here before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lots this. Lots of sessions on this. Yeah, yeah. A lot of uh, clients that are coming in and, and talking about what to do when they go and visit extended family. Mm-hmm. The older generation and the younger generation. Yes, yes. Because family is not without faults. Well, you certainly don't attract someone who's just like you or just like your family. Right, right. Well, yeah. And then, of course, they're going to see everything in your family that might be a little out of whack, and they're going to think you have control over that, and you should do something about it. <laughs> well, there are always a lot of dynamics that are at play when you are visiting family, when you are getting together for holiday celebrations, and you know, with COVID kind of mm, things loosening up, I think families now are sick of the Zoom celebrations, and they are now being in person with each other. And so, you know, with that is going to bring about some struggles, some challenges. And sometimes if you travel, you're with extended family for longer periods of time than just like a dinner. Right, right. Like you know? if you're staying, you know, with family, mm-hmm. that that can always be challenging as well. Brings about a lot of communication challenges, a lot of um, personality challenges. This topic really came about because, yes, we have been talking with a lot of couples uh, about how to navigate being with family over the holidays. And a lot of times what happens is couples tend to be caught in the middle. One or the other, or even both of them, get caught in the middle of different family dynamics whether that be judgment or miscommunication, uh, whatever it is, it tends to put a lot of strain on the couple's relationship. Yeah, so if there's a, a personality flaw 
in someone in your family that you've learned to tolerate over the years because it's your family and you know a lot more about them, your partner may have difficulty with that. And I really want to say that the position that we've always taken is that your relationship with your partner is the primary relationship and their relationship, your partner's relationship with their family is something that as their partner, you should support in whatever way they need and learn to tolerate and back off from the other side instead of pulling your partner apart over that. Right. You should not pick up the other side of the rope of the tug of war. Right. With your partner Mm -hmm. being the rope. Right. So supporting your partner is the best thing you can do if you're with their family and not trying to motivate them to try and change their family because they cannot. Yeah, it's one person against an entire system. And if you're bringing a partner to your family to make sure that you keep that in a place that they feel safe. If somebody might be a little callous or... Judgmental or... Critical. Or controlling. Yep. All of those things Mm -hmm. that could come up in any family dynamic. And a newcomer to the system, meaning your partner that you are bringing to your family, they are breaking into the system. They are a newcomer. They don't, they're not necessarily part of the family culture. And so it is going to be very difficult and uncomfortable for them. And I think in the past, we've kind of talked about, you know, using humor and, you know, pre-gaming, accepting, like, what are we going to do when this happens? You know, what's the out? And I mean, we've seen families so toxic that the parents who are actually the grandparents in the situation are getting so drunk and like trying to get in the car and drive. And the grandkids who are teenagers are seeing this. And the parents who are stuck in the middle are trying to keep everyone safe and not show, you know, poor behaviors. And so it can get really complicated all the way down to, you know, someone just has a big mouth and says inappropriate things and irritates people. Mm -hmm. Or we've seen sibling rivalry. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, (laughs) for sure. Right? Where one person is... You know, one sibling is jealous of another and they are not talking. They're one-upping. They're one-upping. And and so now every time that they get into a family event or family situation, fireworks can be going off. One thing to remember is only people who are hurting hurt other people. And so for sure, whoever is the person that is kind of firing the first shot, is coming from a place of feeling insecure. It's not someone who feels secure and good about themselves, let's just say. No. When human beings feel good and secure about themselves, they extend kindness. They're inclusionary. Inclusionary and acceptance. It's when they feel threatened, and usually for some unknown reason that the rest of the room isn't aware of, or some insecurity, that they act that way. And when that happens to you, A natural reaction is to be defensive. A natural reaction is to attack back, right? Out of protection or a need for protection. And if they are attacking your partner that you're bringing into the situation, you are caught in the middle between 
defending your partner and also going against the family culture. There's just so many dynamics that are occurring that make it so complicated. This is especially true in the first few years of a relationship because the loyalty used to lie with the family of origin and now the, the loyalty is shifting to your partner. And so sometimes the family pulls back from that if things aren't all that healthy. Or sometimes the partner isn't integrating well and, and they have expectations that the family is not doing or probably won't do. And so it kind of brings us back to that concept of the stages of emotional vulnerability. Yes. So the stages of emotional vulnerability, there are six and this is a concept we've talked about in past programs. We teach this to all our couples. In Relationship 101. In Relationship 101 is something that we go over. When it comes to these stages of emotional ability, if you think of a... Did you say emotional ability? No, I think I said <laughs> emotional vulnerability. Uh, when you think about that, you want to really think of a bullseye, all right, and keep that concept in mind where in that center circle is the bullseye and then there's these concentric circles uh, that go outside of it and that center circle is reserved for those that we share everything with so this is our person okay it's you and your person inside this bullseye center which we call the inner sanctum and then as you go out in the concentric circles now, this is where you have relationships that require less emotional vulnerability. Let's talk more about the sanctum. What is a sanctum? It is a safe place. A safe place that you can share everything with your partner. All of your really vulnerable emotions that are positive and all of your vulnerable emotions that are negative. This is where you can share your insecurities with your partner, your failures, your fears. And your partner is a safe person within this inner sanctum that is not going to judge you. So one of the things that makes this difficult is depending on the dynamics in your family, you may have invited someone into the sanctum. You may be sharing vulnerable things about your partner or about your relationship with a trusted sibling or a parent or someone who it really isn't fair that they're getting this information and it we feel it's inappropriate that there are things that belong within the dynamics of just your relationship that nobody else should be a part of. Or maybe that was the expectation all along as you were being raised by your family that your older sibling is that person for you, that would be that protector, would always know everything that you're doing, and so took this role of authority in your life. Or your parent, you know, did that as well. And so this is just natural for you in knowing that I just go to my mother whenever I have something that is bothering me. Mm -hmm. For advice, for... Uh, compassion, soothing, all those kind of things. And if you think about, you know, these stages, which we'll get to, and the the sanctum is like, it's like the bedroom, 
you know? And it would seem odd to bring a sibling or a parent into the bedroom with you and your spouse or your partner. And so that's kind of the concept, right? You remember that couple where anytime that they wanted to have a talk, you know, or they were arguing, they would go into their bedroom and shut the door. But her mother would always come into the room, like barge into the room. Remember that? Yeah, yeah and interfere with their private conversation. So I think that's a really, like, that's a real example, but... A really toxic example. Right, but that visualization I believe when we were meeting with them, the mom, like, joined in on Bluetooth, like she snuck in. Yes, (laughs) yes. She (laughs) snuck into the phone through the... (laughs) Through the the car And was listening to their their, uh, coaching session. Oh, my gosh, yeah. So that, that is a really great toxic example of that, where you are bringing someone into the inner sanctum who does not belong there. And many times we run into these challenging situations with family because some roles in families become very diffuse and the boundaries become very diffuse to the point that sometimes siblings... Uh, act like the parent. Right. Right. Or, yeah, I mean, we've had cases where um, the sibling mediates the parent's relationship. Yeah. And the the parent's conflicts, right? So the roles are very um, kind of are very murky. Mm-hmm. And because of that, people don't really know their place. And the the number one thing that you can do right off the bat Stop sharing. Just don't. Keep in the sanctum what belongs in the sanctum and don't ask for opinions or advice outside of that unless you and your partner are doing that together and with a very neutral person that has both of your best interests at heart like a therapist. Uh, Don't think that you're not going to get an immediate negative reaction when you stop sharing. Mm -hmm. It is going to be like a withdrawal effect. You know, and that's part of the boundary. Some some people need to feel important in someone's life by being that confidant for them. and Or being in control. Mostly being in control, right? Right, because a person who is confident, mm-hmm. confident about themselves, that is secure about themselves, they are not going to need to take control of anyone else. So let's talk about these levels. All right. So imagine that you are outside... In Chicago, because you could be somewhere else right now, but in Chicago, it's pretty cold right now. And you have on a winter coat, hat and gloves, some boots, and anyone you meet that's not vulnerable at all. That's the surface. It's just very surface. How's it going? Fine. See you later. You know, these are just really casual interactions with people, right? And now we go in the front door. Now we're at the next level, right? So we have the surface level is the first level. We go in the front door and we have to take off our coat, our boots, our hat and gloves, shake some hands, unless people are scared of COVID. (laughs) But normally you would hug people, you would say hello. And now we're at the initial risk, right? We're getting some idea of how people are feeling, you know, gauging the temperature in the room, that kind of stuff. And for some families, that's about as intimate as it should get. That's about as vulnerable as you should get. Stay in your sweater and jeans, be polite, have your 
turkey dinner and be kind and courteous and support your partner. And just talk about what's going on in your life and, you know, the new job or, you know, you started a new sport. Or ask them about themselves. People like to talk about themselves and you're not even offering (laughs) (laughs) Depending on how, you know, the family is. The next level is your beliefs. And we've all been at family gatherings where people start talking about things that people have strong beliefs about and it can get a little heated. Right. And so at this stage, now you are in, you know, T-shirt and jeans. You're probably in the living room sitting by the fire. You're more comfortable. You're more open. And if this isn't a situation where there's a good deal of respect, it might not be safe to share your beliefs. Yeah, because Uncle Tom starts talking politics. Right. Oh, no. Here come the beliefs. (laughs) Yep. And so, you know, be aware of those sensitivities. And if those things happen, what should you do? Mm-hmm. Or you just had a, a newborn and now here come all the beliefs about what you should be doing, right? How you should be parenting. And yes, this is always where everything goes wrong. And so, you know, there's some subtle things you can do. You can excuse yourself and go join a different conversation. You can for sure make sure you are staying very close to your partner and that no one can get in between you and divide that conversation or kind of get you to side in a different direction or stir up something between you and your partner. And, you know, this is something that we've talked about pre-gaming before you go to these parties mm-hmm. or before you go to these gatherings is that you and your partner would talk about, well, what happens if Uncle Tom starts cornering me about politics, right? What are we going to do? What is what is the action that we're going to take? Mm-hmm. And know? how do we let each other know this is going on? Right. What kind of signal do we give each other mm-hmm. that we are in an uncomfortable spot? And then what are we both deciding that we're going to do, right? Are we going to go look for eggnog? I don't know. Are we going to go outside and, and get some fresh air? And this is particularly important if you have something vulnerable going on within your relationship. If someone's lost their job, if there's been a a miscarriage or some kind of loss, if somebody is struggling with something and people are sort of aware of it and they really don't want to talk about it with people that they don't feel safe with, this is really important to talk about this kind of uh, what what is is our plan if someone comes at us and be like, so when are you having the baby Mm -hmm. or when are you... You know, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're in this really vulnerable state in a room of people that don't know you well enough for you to just be talking about those kind of things. Right. Because what they are trying to force you to talk about is your vision. Yeah. Which is our next level, right? Right. The next level of vulnerability. And so now, you know, you're at the um, kitchen table farther into the house, you are in a tank top and shorts. You're pretty exposed, Mm -hmm. so to speak. And, uh, you know, you will see people at these gatherings kind of go off in the corner and start chit-chatting. That's when maybe a sibling will bring your partner over and try to, you know, hey. Did you hear? Or what's going on with you? Yeah, what? (laughs) I heard from mom 
that you don't want to have a baby. Right. Right. Why? Yeah. Why not? You know, and, and that's, it's, oh, that is the very, very, very uncomfortable position to be in. And they've separated you from, from your person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now we're pretty vulnerable and the next level is feelings and feelings is like being in your underwear. It's very exposing. You think about who gets to see you in your underwear. And some families, they do see each other in their underwear, depending on the type of relationships that they have. But it is very vulnerable. It's not something that, um, it, it is, it's, it's a area that should be really, really safe and protected. Really safe and protected. And this should be something that your partner is absolutely a part of. Because you wouldn't do that with someone else. With anyone else, right. Right. You know, keep in mind that these stages of emotional vulnerability are flexible, meaning that they're constantly evolving and changing within our relationships. So you're not going to bring someone into a feelings stage if they haven't earned it, right? And maybe when you were growing up, you and your sibling would share everything to the point that you would share feelings, you know, or maybe they even became your person that you would share everything with, right? But you haven't really talked to your sibling, you know, in several years. And 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 now it's not just you, you're showing your partner in their underwear too. Exactly, right. Because now you're not just exposing yourself, you're exposing your partner's vulnerabilities, which is absolutely not okay. Because your sibling or whoever that is hasn't earned it hasn't earned that place of vulnerability with your partner. They haven't built that relationship with each other. And along those lines, do not fight in front of your family. Oh, yeah. No, that that would would be really terrible. That invites everyone all the way into this place of feelings and gives them a platform to have opinions because you just exposed yourselves in front of the family in a way that is probably uncomfortable for everyone in the room. Yes, you've ultimately give them the signal that it is okay for them to judge you and your partner and your relationship. Yeah, if I can talk to my partner like this, so can anyone. So again, this is really important to pregame with your partner and to create signals. You know, maybe you would uh, wink to let your partner know that you're, you're okay, things are good, and they would wink back just to confirm. Um, or you would hold their hand and, and give a squeeze of their hand, let them know that you're not okay, you're not good. Or you have a signal from across the room, right, to let them know that you're not okay. And then when that signal is given, then you have an immediate response that the two of you have created together. And make sure you have a space and time, especially if you're staying overnight for several days with family, that's just for you and your partner. Whether you can go for a walk, have to run to the store, something where you guys can sort of debrief, check in with each other, uh, reunite, put those deposits into the relationship, see how it's going, check in. And that also gives the family an idea that they can't get into that sanctum. There is a place for just the two of you, and that's appropriate, and it's something you both honor and something you'll teach your families to honor. Yeah, there are families out there that create an itinerary for everything. Mm-hmm. Every 
10 minutes of interaction, there's going to be something going on, right? You have to build in that time for you and your partner to regroup. And so you would be checking in in the morning. You would be connecting in the morning. You would also be connecting at the end of the day. And then you would also build in those immediate responses during the day if something were to come up that would be uncomfortable. It gives you those anchor points where you and your partner can continue to be on the same page. You know, and it's fair to say that we have to teach families how to shift when a new person comes into the family. And so I know when I met you and your family, you guys, um, your mom planned a lot of things and she would call very early in the morning. Very early. And we're night people. Very early (laughs) in the morning. And she's calling and she's trying to say, hey, I made reservations tonight at seven o'clock. And the expectation is that we would be there. Right. Right. And as the person who did that for your whole life, that was always really normal. And suddenly it's not. It doesn't hold that level of respect as an adult, adult relationship with your parents as opposed to parent child. And so I know that was a little bit of an adjustment that we went through, which is just very normal. And also with in my family, every Christmas Eve was spent with my siblings and extended family. But when you bring another partner in, and maybe their family does the same thing, schedules have to change, things have to get rearranged. One of the really cool things your family did is they just changed the date. Like we're doing Christmas and New Year's on December 18th this year, because that's when people can get together. And no one's offended or whatever, because everyone also has in-laws that they have to go visit. And they have children who are becoming adults or are adults who also have lives and obligations. And so over the years, things sort of change. And to kind of reiterate what Jean said, this is something to be expected in every family system. And when you think about systems, you know, family is a system. When one person in the system changes, it challenges every single person within the system to change as well. So when you have a family system, a family culture that has been raised together, grows up together, they have a certain way of doing things. And then when someone finds a a partner and brings them into their system, the system gets challenged. In a lot of families, they react by being defensive. They react by trying to get that new person to meld and do everything that the system is used to doing. Well, that's, that's not fair. That's not actually how things are supposed to happen. The entire system has to now evolve to include this new member of the system and change. The other really interesting thing that happens is when uh, families get back together after they no longer live together as children, they go back to the dynamic as it was in the home when they were children. And so there's a stressor that happens for the person whose family it is, because over the years they've grown and changed, but their sibling still treats them exactly the same way or their parents treat them the same way and they don't see them like the adults that they are and the professionals or whatever that they're becoming. And so you also want to check in with your partner, hey, what do you need from me when we go visit your family? And what's difficult for you? How can I support you? How can I rescue you if you need some rescuing? 
and you know, to be aware of that other component. And that's what we talk about with emotional echoes, right? That those echoes from the past can come up, especially when you go back to that situation and all of a sudden everyone is teenagers again. And you may not recognize that you are going back to or reverting back to the dynamics that you're, you were used to. Your partner may be the first person to observe it. I would say for sure. Yeah. <laughs> And they might be coming up to you saying, you know, why do you laugh like that when you're around your siblings? Or why do you act like that? And there's a moment of clarity, an opportunity for clarity uh, in your relationship where you guys can start to understand each other from a very different perspective and understand where you came from and also where you're at now. And so these are conversations you probably didn't even know you should have before stepping back into family dynamics. And talking about, you know, what are the things that we should, we can predict, we know how this person's going to be in that person. Mm -hmm. And how are we going to tend to that? And it, it takes a very long time for families to adjust. And so the most important thing you can do is make sure you and your partner are united on the same page, and kind of armed with some things to do when you go in. And don't forget about humor. If there's a predictable behavior, you guys can bet on it. How many times do you think grandpa's going to bring up the the garden or something? <laughs> right. <laughs> or telling you what you should be doing or something? Or how many times is this going to happen? Or how long will it take? Is there going to be 20 minutes? Is this going to be an hour and a half before this topic comes up? And then when it comes up, you can see who's right and make a little bet about it and laugh. Yeah. Yeah, how how often do you think mom is going to point out that you've gained weight? Right. <laughs> and maybe point out your partner has gained weight. Right. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that would be, be so extreme, but uh, it happens. And so if that were to happen, uh, how much money are you putting down? Right. You know, I, I think it's going to happen 10 times, right? Oh, I think it's, uh, you know, 15 times. And then you could, you guys can bet you know, with each other and maybe have a fun bet. Oh, you get a, uh, um, a massage right, if you win or something like that. And so now you are utilizing these very uncomfortable or potentially uncomfortable situations in a way to bond the two of you together even more. And the most important thing to keep in mind is that the only person you can change is yourself. And the only person that's ever really going to support you in those situations is your partner. And you need to learn to accept everybody else because they're just not going to change. And if it is driving you crazy, then you need to change your crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. So we want to thank you so much for joining us today on this topic. And for all of you listening to Couple Synergy our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships, and this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast, and please leave us a review. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs, such as the Home Study Course Relationship 101, the Couples Weekend Intensive, our online membership called Connections, and our premier coaching program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who can benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. 
until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.